You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Your church. How are you? Man, beautiful presence this morning. I am so excited to be back and sharing the word with you this morning. Man, it feels good to be home. I just want to let you know that when we were driving home and coming back, Landon and I were talking about how much, not about how much we love this place, how much we love the people, how much we love this staff, how much we love the pastors, the leadership, and you, the people. And there was so much joy. It reminds me, you know, like a a man in the army that comes home and he sees that family and entourage that's there to greet him, everybody that he loves so much, and it just makes it all the more sweeter. And so I just wanted you to know, I see some of you waving at at me, but you were in our hearts and mind in returning that we couldn't wait to see. We love you so much, Mercy Culture. So it's good to be home and preaching the word this morning. The vision of Mercy Culture Church is this, that we are taking people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And this is so pivotal for your walk with Christ because when you daily hear from the Lord, when you daily are in his presence, it changes everything. How many's life has been transformed just by walking in the vision of this house? Come on, come on. And so it's like, oh my gosh, the years that you look back and you thought it was about so many other things than just daily being in his presence and uh, just the solutions, the healing, the deliverance that we and all of us have experienced just by being in his presence daily. And this is what tears down religion. Religion is saying you have to do this or this or this to become holy or righteous or to be forgiven when it's really just about being in his presence When you're in his presence, he speaks things and how to humble yourself and how to repent and how to um, get along in marriage and communicate and love each other well and how to raise your teenagers. He gives secrets. He gives wisdom in those moments. And so I want to encourage you, if you're new this morning, you will hear it a lot because it's who we are. And uh, you can go through, if, if, if this morning you're feeling like, man, this feels like home, I was just in worship and this is where I, I want to call home, we encourage you to th- go through what we call MC Connect. And it's not just our membership, it's discipleship. The reason why it's discipleship is you get to go through an assessment that um, basically is like a test sounds really scary. A lot of us don't like tests, but it's like an assessment on how you best connect with God. And so when you come to your Connect With God appointment, you get to see the best ways that you connect with God. Why is this important to your walk? It's pivotal. This week as I was praying um, into what to speak this morning, the Lord spoke to me weeks ago, but there's some key things I was asking the Lord. I know because of my assessment, one of my top threes that I connect with God is through movement. I'm a little ADD, you know, so it's like if I'm running, my body can't do crazy things. So it's like my body has something to do so my mind can just hear from the Lord. <laughs> me laying down before the Lord is not usually, a, you know, a, a good thing. Um, and so when I'm moving, I hear the Lord. So I go out on the Trinity trails. I'm moving. I have Henry on worshiping from last week. Come on. How fire is that? Just been on repeat this whole last week. 
and instantly I start getting downloads from the Lord. Just boom, I'm in his presence. I'm in the glory hearing his voice. This is why it's so important for you to go through MC Connect to do this assessment because it will change your life and how you encounter the Lord. Amen? Amen. So as you guys saw the Justice Run video, so exciting, October 29th. It's coming up in a couple of months. Our second annual Justice Run in Fort Worth uh, down at Panther Pavilion. So, so excited. If this is the first time that you're hearing about it, all of the proceeds go to, goes towards the Justice Residence is a long-term restoration home for women that are rescued out of human trafficking. Just to let you know, we are building those residences. We have some really exciting updates coming from for you soon, but there's three ways that you can get involved. I want to encourage you to text RUN this morning to 59090, the first ways that you register for the race. There's a 5K that you can walk with your family or you can run, a 10K half marathon, a marathon, so anybody and everybody can be a, a part of this day. Thousands of runners came out last year and it was amazing. A lot of people that don't even run are like, I am going to run because of what the cause is. So it's really just an awesome day um, that the city and the body of Christ comes together to set people free, amen? The second way is this, is you can sponsor, you become a sponsor uh, justice run. And so this is my heart as your pastor. We are just now starting to open it up to a lot of outside businesses, but I would prefer kingdom businesses from this house to be all over the shirts and the signage and everything promoting kingdom businesses. And so I know we have a lot of businesses that are part of Distinct. So if you haven't uh, signed up to be a sponsor yet, there's a lot of different ways that you can sponsor at this event. Again, you can text that uh, word run to 59090. And the third way is this, serve. We need a lot of people to serve. Come on, I already have some shouts that served last year. Literally, the people that served at Justice Run impacted our city. I can't tell you the amount of people that came to me that aren't a part of our church, but saw people serving as a tornado is coming in, hail is coming down, there's about five inches of water on the ground, and they're like, people had joy and like smiles on their faces as they're packing trucks. It was wild to us. But literally the servant's heart of this house, the people that served at Justice Run was a testimony to people that came from the city. And so again, make sure to text run to 5990 to serve on that day, amen? All right, I got another text word for you because we are in the era of media. And so if you want notes for this morning, if you want to text the word notes to that same number, and then you can follow along with the scripture that I have for you this morning. So we will be starting in Acts 4, chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. And it's titled this, The Believers Pray for Boldness. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus. 
Notice they were gathered together against Jesus, whom you anointed, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, when they came together and they prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray together this morning. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are already here because this is your house and we are your people. And Father, as we have declared, it will never be ours, it will always be yours. We say yes and amen this morning. And we are a people that will never just be for ourselves, but God, we are yours. And Lord, as we've also declared that we will not just give you room, but we will give you the entire room. We, we just ask, Father, would you invade every part of us and every part of this sanctuary this morning? We declare that your will and your way would take place this morning. We declare this morning that we are your bondservants. So, oh God, would you invade our mind and our thoughts, our hearts and our desires, our spirits, oh God. And would your truth align with us this morning so that, oh God, we would reflect you, King Jesus. I pray that today is not just a religious service that we come into to feel better about ourselves that we attended church. But oh God, I pray that today is another day that we encounter a holy king that transforms us, that makes us new, that refines the rough edges. And oh God, that we would be made new so that we would be a testimony to the world as we leave this place. So we declare together, speak Lord, your servants are listening. We give you all of the honor, all of the praise, and all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So as I just read part of chapter 4, if you go back and read chapter 4 at another time, it's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible because it is an exciting chapter. Everything is taking place, miracles, signs and wonders, healings. They're confronting religious leaders. They're standing up before the Sanhedrin and, 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 and they're confronting the, the evil things that are being taught and they're, and they're speaking out in boldness and revival is taking place. And it says that the church is unified and there's generosity to the degree that nobody has any need. And it's just this beautiful display display of, of the birth and revival and awakening that's happening in this chapter. And I believe it's a reflection of Mercy Culture Church. When I read this chapter, I think, yes, Lord, this is what you're doing in Mercy Culture. Continue to do these types of things, oh God, through your house. But the Lord gave me a warning this morning for our church and there's a word that's talked about in this portion of scripture that I believe that if we do not pick up as a church this morning, that we will not continue in all of these exciting things 
or we will not continue in expanding territory. See, there's a word all throughout scripture and in the scriptures I will be sharing today that I believe that we are called to pick up, but oftentimes Christians do not because there's a reputation of it not being fun or of it being weird or uncomfortable. I also believe with this word, there is great resistance against it because it's one of the most powerful things that you will ever do in your Christian walk and lifetime. And the word is this, prayer. Prayer is what expands territory. Come to share a message this morning and declare that prayer is what expands territory. See, prayer is an action word. Prayer isn't a word about receiving, but acting. Because prayer is pouring out. And I believe that this is where the church has been historically weak. Because if we say, hey, we're putting on a healing service, we will all run to receive our healing. If we are giving something away, we will all run to receive the new car or the new ble- or whatever is taking place. But the moment we say we're having a prayer service, we feel real tired on those nights. Real exhausted. We had a real stressful day because what? It's an action word that takes us to pour out. Historically, I believe the body of Christ has been weak in prayer. It's funny how the resistance that comes against us in prayer, I believe, is the same resistance that comes against us when we read our word. Can you imagine if we married the two and we began to pray the word of God? I believe if we married the two and we began to actually pray the word of God, it would be a weapon to the degree of an atomic bomb of what it would do to our enemies and demons that have come against our family, come against legacy, come against our businesses, come against this generation and nation. If the church began to pick up the call to pray and to pray the word of God, I believe we would see easy victory. Reminds me the prophetic word from our apostolic elder, Pastor Tom Lane, just a couple weeks ago. He brought a prophetic word to our house and it was this. And I give you a heads up to make you aware that in the next 18 to 24 months, there's going to be unprecedented resistance to your work. Just to let you know, your pastors just like bring it on. So we want a church that just says bring it on, okay? Just bring it on. And he says this, know this, that the best weapon is expressed in prayer. And the more that you pray, the more you strengthen your ability to stand and fight. Prayer is a weapon, church. And we cannot go expanding territory, building belief for signs, miracles, and wonders, victories, taking down giants without prayer being the thing that sustains us. 
See, we are a passionate church. We are a driven church. We are a church that is ready. When we read that opening scripture of boldness coming on, we get all excited and ready to go. Give me a brick wall to run through. But we forget that they pause to pray, to ask before the Lord released. So I came to tell you that prayer is the avenue for our faith to be put into the Lord. Prayer is the avenue for our faith to be put into the Lord. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question. Two questions. And you're gonna be really honest with me because we're in the house of the Lord this morning, right? No fibs around here, okay? So at the beginning of the year, Pastor Landon brought a prophetic word over our house, over your houses, that we would expand territory in multiple areas, some through houses, children, businesses, in our minds. There was multiple different uh, pieces to this prophetic word of expanding territory. Will you just lift your hand if you received that prophetic word? So some of you must be new. There's a lot of hands up right now, but just let me see your hand. If you received that prophetic word over your house, okay, hands up all over. Now here's your second question that I want you to answer honestly. He also told us, that he ministered on the prayer of Jabez out of 1 Chronicles 4.10. And he told us every single day, pray this scripture, pray this prayer over your family. Be honest. Raise your hand. No shame. No shame. But raise your hand if every single day this year you've prayed that prayer. Okay, so we had almost a full room that raised their hand on receiving a prophetic word. And we have about 10 people raising their hands in the room of stewarding through prayer the prophetic word. I did this to show you the resistance that comes against the body of Christ when it comes to prayer. If prayer is the avenue for your faith, how are you expanding territory without prayer? This prayer is probably a five second prayer, but the enemy tells us we don't have time. It doesn't matter, you received it, now go do it. Yet prayer is the avenue. So a lot of us, I've heard testimonies of the resistance in expanding territory. I'm excited for this word this morning because I believe that this is going to give you breakthrough in what you have been believing God for your family, your children, your businesses to expand territory. Are you ready to go in this morning? Come on, are you ready to go in this morning? The word of God before miracles were released, before territory was taken, before breakthrough happened, before blessing was released, prayer was happening. See, it was the prayer through faith that shifted everything. Jonah in the belly of the fish, he prayed for deliverance and God delivered him. Elijah prayed for it to not rain, it stopped raining. Then he prayed for rain and it started raining. Elijah, Elijah pride, uh, prayed for fire to fall from heaven, 
He literally paused, even though it was the will of God and the Lord told him to do it, he still paused to pray, to ask the Lord to bring fire from heaven. After he prays, God brings fire from heaven. Moses continually prayed when the people put pressure on him to provide and God answered Moses' prayer. David prayed going into battle and victories happened over and over. See, he was praying in the fields prior so that when he got to the battle line, that he would take victory over the giant. See, our opening scripture that I read when I opened up this morning says that they prayed and then they received boldness. See, it is prayer that is the thing that goes before you, that makes way for victory, that goes, makes way for the miracle signs and wonders that you're believing for. And here's why, because prayer is the place that authority is given to expand territory. If prayer is absent in our life, how are you receiving authority Monday through Saturday? Come on, it is in the place of prayer that we receive authority to walk out and do what he has called us to do. Prayer is the place of revelation where it is given to you in those moments that new thing that you've been dreaming about doing that you've never done before. That you've been saying, well, I gotta raise this much money and I gotta get these many people on my side and I'm gonna have to be able to do this with my kids because I'll get. And you're thinking of this long list of things that you have to do in your own strength when God is saying, if you would just come to a place of prayer, I would give you all of the revelation and resources you need to walk out what I've called you to do. See, prayer is a place that solutions are given to issues that have been in your family in this city and nation forever. See, prayer is a place that bondages are broken because repentance comes and godly sorrow takes place. Prayer is a place that power, might, and strength is given to take down giants. Prayer is a place that victory is won before the battle has even begun. Come on, some of you walked in this morning heavy with stress, worries, Lord this, Lord that, to your wife on the way here, the things that you're worried or stressed about. When he is just waiting for some sons and daughters to begin to commune with him, to lift those things, to trust him and pray release so that he can win the battle for you. See, prayer is the avenue for your faith to be put in the Lord. I ministered on the gift of faith here a couple of months ago. And in and I talked about how faith isn't just believing in God, but it is trusting God. I believe a lot of you got freedom in that service by the testimonies that I heard because you were carrying heavy things in your own strength that you weren't meant to carry. But here's the interesting thing and the next vision that I got for this morning regarding prayer and faith is that many of you in operating in the gift of faith, when you lifted, you weren't lifting through prayer and when it was lifted off of your shoulders, it fell to the ground. This is what I mean through prayer is the avenue of your faith to the Lord. When you are lifting things, when you are believing for things, it is through prayer and communion 
that we lift those things up to him so that he can bring victory to them. Amen? James 5, 13 through 18 is the prayer of faith. If any one of you is suffering, he should pray. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Come on, prayer is powerful. All the things you need and you desire are unlocked in the place of prayer. If you go to Bible Hub, prayer is defined as this, or the portion of prayer that we're talking about as intercession. It is defined as this, petitioning God or bringing your petitions before him. So a type of petitioning prayer. All throughout the word, we see prayer being used to seek God's favor, or pouring our souls to the Lord, and crying out to heaven to draw near to the Lord to encounter him, or kneeling before the Lord and submitting ourselves and our desires to him, or humbling ourselves. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says it this way, to be anxious, for nothing. Let this scripture just minister to some of you this morning. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Look, I thought that this was wild. I've read this scripture over and over and we've been singing sound mind. And then Isaac's up here praying for our minds this morning and oppression to leave. And we pray the scripture in Proverbs to guard our heart above all else. But in Philippians 4, 6, it says that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus when what? We bring everything, all of our prayers and petitions to the Lord. Anxiety has to go when you begin to pray and talk to him and believe God that he's bringing the solution. That means you don't have to walk around being worried on how to or when or why this family member is astray. You just have to bring their name before him. You just have to begin to bring those people, those friendships that you're believing for before him, praying their name out. And anxiety has to go. And victory is on its way. Amen? Come on, I feel faith rising in the room. Three things that prayer must be for a successful prayer life or petitioning prayer must be for a successful prayer life. And the first is this, that prayer must be consistent. Luke 18, 1 through 8 says this. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. Not lose heart, this word translates to not give up or to show up. Verse 2, he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming. Say, kept coming. Uh -uh. Say, kept coming. To him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what this unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect or to his chosen ones, the bride of Christ, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I cannot tell you how many times that I have ministered on this scripture because of one specific word in this scripture, and that's the word justice. When I see the word justice in the word of God, I get really excited, and I can preach a couple of different sermons at least out of it. But it's interesting because as I was reflecting on this, I realized justice I get excited over because it's something I receive. Remember the conversation we had at the beginning? Healing that we receive, blessing that we receive, justice that we receive. I had read this scripture over and over and failed to see that the first verse says that the reason why Jesus was sharing this parable was not the highlight on justice. It was the highlight that he said that they ought always to pray. They ought always to pray and to not give up or to show up. See, this woman kept showing up. She kept coming in consistent prayer and petitioning. And because once wasn't enough and twice wasn't enough and no enemy or adversary could tell this widow woman to stop, that God wasn't going to answer, that the judge wasn't going to answer. See, her faith was so great that she said, I'll come day and night. I will come over and over month after month until you're tired of hearing the same prayer request. And God, you answer me. That's what consistent prayer is. And I believe that that's what our King is waiting on from the body of Christ. A fervent prayer, a consistent prayer that doesn't give up after once or twice. Or I came up to the altar and I was prayed over by the prayer team a couple of times and healing just hasn't happened. So maybe God just doesn't heal me. And we do these things to try to encourage ourselves in deception, in discouragement, so we don't have to believe bigger and continue to pray. God is just saying, how bad do you really want it? Because I just love that my son and my daughter comes back to me day and night, day and night. You want to know why? Because he just wants to be with you. So what has he got to do to keep you coming back day and night until you've pleased him to the degree that not only does he answer your prayer request, but he does above and beyond what you could ask or think. 
That's the type of prayer that God is expecting from his bride. It says in the last portion of this scripture, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's saying, I'm coming back. It's interesting that he opens up that this is the way to pray consistently and then says, will I find faith? Because our faith meets him through the avenue or the vehicle of prayer. Some of you have said, God, I have faith in you. And then you're going back and you're doing things in your own strength. God, I have faith in you. And then disciplining or leading our families in our own strength. We tell you, husbands, daily, if you kneel before him, God, how do I lead my family? How do I lead my wife in prayer? He will supernaturally give you beautiful ways into what a healthy marriage and a healthy family looks like. I believe that the Lord is waiting to come back to see faith because he has to hear the prayers that are the evidence of our faith. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says it this way, moreover as for me, be it far from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray. Have you ever thought that a prayerless life not only is displeasing to the Lord, but it's sin. Samuel said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray. We have given in to the enemy's ploys, into his resistance, and into his lies to sin against God from bringing our petitions daily to him. I want to share with you about Justice Nights as we're talking about consistent prayer. Justice Nights, the Lord gave me, um, not as an idea, but really as an action to steward and to do before Mercy Culture Church was ever birthed. They were originally called Pray for Justice Nights. Now to tell you, I've been praying for a long time and surrounded by some phenomenal leaders. Even now, our staff, we fast and pray every single week. Let me tell you that the Lord did not tell me to do these justice nights for our staff or our team to pray. We are. The Lord, out of Ezekiel 9, I ministered on this in the very beginning when we planted the church, and it's where we get the marked conference name from, but the death angel comes in Ezekiel 9, and they put a mark on the foreheads of those that are going to be set apart, and the ones that they choose to mark are those that cried out and lamented for their nation's sins, or what? They interceded and they prayed for mercy and forgiveness for their nation's sins. This is what the body of Christ is called to in this hour. And I just wanted to bring some, some clarity on Justice Nights because I think a lot of people might think that this is for the justice reform organization. But that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said, host these Justice Nights of worship and prayer to ignite the body of Christ, to call the body of Christ to prayer. 
so that a sound or that an aroma would be released to heaven so that God would know that the body of Christ is not okay with what's happening in our nation. I'm telling you, a silent church is not the church that God is going to respond to. A silent church is not the type of church that God is bringing signs, miracles, and wonders for. A silent church is not the one that God is going to come and shake the city of Fort Worth for. He is coming back to do those things for a loud, praying church. The Lord gave me a vision over a year ago. Now let me say this. He gave me a vision on justice nights that the room looked just like this, full of sons and daughters worshiping and praying in an aroma touching heaven. If you know Landon and I well enough by this point, you know we're not numbers driven. We refuse to talk about numbers, meaning how many are coming. How many do you have coming to your church? We've been asked on live TV before, and it was really, really awkward because Landon just pivoted three times a different direction and was changing the conversation because we want our hearts to stay pure before the Lord, that everything that we do is pleasing to him, that all of the glory goes to him and not to us. So I say this right now, this, this, this statement is not numbers driven. It's not about how many people are coming. It's about an awakening that must come to the body of Christ, that we are called to pray in this hour if we want him to respond in the earth. So for clarity today, Justice Nights is for the body of Christ to come and to worship and pray. It's once a month, the last Wednesday of every single month in here. This is an invitation for you, Mercy Culture, to say, no, it's not that I'm too tired. It's not that I had a hard stress. No, I'm going to come to that altar and I'm going to pour myself out so that the Lord knows as a family, we're drawing a line in the sand. What's happening in this next generation in our nation is not okay. I'm gonna get into more of this later, so remember what I'm saying right now for point number three, because I'm gonna share the power of corporate prayer and what I'm talking about. First, number two is this, that prayer must be private. The word of God tells us over and over that Jesus went into the wilderness or barren and away places to pray. He went at all different times. A lot of times in the morning, he would go. See, this intimate place of prayer was communion with his father to please what his father's heart's desires were for his people. He often came out of these private places of prayer, healing the sick, delivering demons, signs and miracles, breaking out. The overflow of Jesus' ministries, the signs and miracles came from his encounters with his heavenly father and his prayer life that he was consistent in. The Bible also shows us in multiple moments that he went away to privately pray, but he brought disciples with him. And this is beautiful because he wanted to teach the disciples as he was constantly walking in the supernatural, as he was constantly serving the people that as consistent as he was in serving the people, he was consistent in private prayer. 
Come on, private prayer is what sustains us. Our daily encounters is what sustains us. I love what my husband says. Burnout doesn't come from serving too much. Burnout comes because we're not filling up and we pour out or we serve in a certain area and we forget our daily encounters. We forget the place of private prayer with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you. And if you're in your encounter time and you have little ones that come in to interrupt, invite them in. We cannot just teach our children how to serve, how to worship, how to build. We have to teach our children what a private prayer place looks like. And that happens when we bring them in. Some of you do this in groups where you bring others in. You, you need to do this as husbands and wives. There's uh, such, I felt this in the first service, that there is a demonic attack against marriages. That the enemy has made it awkward for husband and wife to pray together. This is demonic resistance. Pray together. Grab hands before bed at night and pray over each other. Pray over each other's mind, your sleep, dreams. See, church, we are his disciples and he showed us the way by how he lived and prayed and how he taught his disciples. So we should follow after him. Amen. Luke 11, 1 through 13, we find one of those disciples asking Jesus, how should we pray? I love this because it's such a pure, humble question. This disciple coming to Jesus saying, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Hmm. We're going to pray this at our altar time, but there's so much packed into this prayer. This is something you can start your daily prayer time in this. But I also want to let you know that there is no perfect prayer. I believe so many of us don't pray because we're worried of saying the wrong thing or we think that God doesn't care because it's not spiritual enough. And so we do things that we're dreaming about or we think are earthly things in our own strength and only giving him a portion of our prayer time. When the Lord wants you to bring everything before him. I just want to share um, a testimony of one of the, the personal encounter prayer moments that I've had. And this is a super intimate place with me. I've actually only ever shared this story with the few people. So this is kind of a, a, a big moment for me. One of our values is authenticity because it's a private place for me. But I felt the Lord say to testify of this private place of prayer because he's going to release the supernatural and private places of prayer for you. So faith arise, faith arise. It was just a few years ago that, um, I guess it's been more than a few years ago now, but we moved um, to Texas because of a word of Peyton when she was three years old that said, I want to move my house to Texas, mom and dad. And when she said it, our spirits leaped and we looked at each other and said, we're moving to Texas. The Holy Spirit filled the car in that moment. So Preston, I have Preston, he's only a few months old and I believe it was early February of when it was and, and we're moving to Texas and all of a sudden... 
Bags aren't unpacked, boxes aren't unpacked, newborn baby and a toddler, Landon gets a call. And it's not the call that we were looking for. A lot of you might know that John Paul Jackson was our spiritual father before he passed away. He was battling cancer at the time and he had beat it. But the, the um, treatments that he was on for the cancer had broken down his immune system so much that he acquired other sicknesses and illnesses. And this call that Landon gets, they tell him that uh, John Paul is probably not going to make it through the night. And we are shocked John Paul happens to live in Texas. We just got there. Landon was able to jump in the car and get, uh, Landon was able to jump in the car and to get to John Paul. If we were still living in Arizona, we would have never have made it. He would have never made it to his bedside before he passed. And so here's Landon kneeling at John Paul's bedside and he is just praying and worshiping. And as he's praying and worshiping, kneeling next to John Paul Jackson, What he says is extremely hard to describe, but a supernatural encounter, and he feels a mantle released over his life. He comes home, and he begins to share with me, and I don't remember if it was that night or the next day. He's trying to give words of what happened in this moment, and our phone rings again, and it's a pastor we haven't talked to in years in another state. And he says, I don't know what just happened, but right now I just had a vision of John Paul Jackson's mantle being passed down to you. Landon and I were sitting in bed and we just began to weep, never cried that hard, never seen my husband cry that hard. The presence of God just filled our room. Weeks went by, a year went by, and there was something that I was holding in my heart. I didn't want to say it because I was so grateful and thankful that God brought us to Texas for Landon to get to the bedside of John Paul before he passed. But the thing that I hid in my heart is, Lord, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been in that moment at his bedside too. So one day, Landon is out, I believe, on a ministry trip, and I have the kids in bed. The specific house that we were living in had a really small master closet, and I love a prayer closet. And so we had built on this long closet with a window and a windowsill, and it was my prayer closet. And I had my scriptures and my candles and everything. And this night, everybody is asleep in a way. I'm having an appointment with God. It is my private prayer moment, and I cannot wait. And so I get in there and I have my worship on and I just begin to pray and worship and I'm just laying flat out on my face and all of a sudden I hear very intensely from the Lord, get to your knees. Is that me? Is that you, Lord? I'm laying out and I'm worshiping you. That's not really what I expected to hear from you. And all of a sudden I hear again, get to your knees right now. So I get up off my face quickly and I get to my knees. All of a sudden, I feel a rush of God's power and his presence fill my my prayer closet like I have never felt in a personal prayer moment, prayer encounter in my life. Instantly, tears come down my face and I hear the Lord say, bow your head. So I bow my head, I'm sitting on my knees with my hands out. And all of a sudden, I feel 
the release from God of John Paul Jackson's mantle over my life. Church, I began to weep harder than I've ever wept in my entire life. It was so bad, snot's coming out of my nose. And I'm like, Lord, will you just wait right here for a second? I gotta go grab tissue, but I don't want this moment to end. So you just wait for me. So legitimately, I go grab tissue, I come back, just the presence of God there, just kneel and weep in his presence. Ask the Lord, why do you want me to tell this story? This is a personal, private story that I hold dear to my heart. And the Lord said, because they need to know the power. The power of what a private prayer life releases. And I believe that there is authority there is miracles, there is victory that is awaiting appointments in your private prayer life, Mercy Culture Church. If I would have turned on Netflix that night, can you imagine missing that moment that has marked my life forever? Some of us are missing moments like this to turn off and check out when we have appointments with a king that has all of the answers, solutions, resources to everything that Netflix and everything else cannot fulfill that will not give you a peace like what his presence in a moment like that brings. Go with me to Mark 14, 32 through 42. This is Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And it says, he says to his disciples that he brings with them, sit here while I pray. So he begins to pray. It says that his soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. So he tells the disciples, stay here and keep watch. Can I just pause real quick and say to you, everything that I just said will take place in a private prayer life. If you don't have a private prayer life, everything you don't want to operate in, everything you don't want to have authority over you, the disobedience and the dominion we give to the enemy because we are void of a private prayer life takes place in our life. And what it really does that Netflix evenings is it is a swaying us to sleep is the body of Christ. A prayer life keeps us awake to what God is doing in the earth. So here we are and Jesus is praying and he tells the disciples, stay here and keep watch. So it says going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. And he said, if it's possible, that the hour would pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible through you. He starts out declaring the word of God. All things are possible through you, Lord, extending his faith. Then he says what he's going through. He's vulnerable. Take this cup from me. But now he declares, yet not what I want, not my will, but Lord, let your will be done. This is how we should pray, church. And it says that Jesus returned and he found them sleeping. Simon, are you asleep? He asked, were you not able to keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation for the spirit is willing 
but the body is weak. And he went again away and he prayed saying the same thing and Jesus returned and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and they did not know how to answer him. We all know what happens after this when Jesus is arrested. What happens to the disciples when they were asleep in an hour like this? It says that they were scattered. And the one that he called out, Simon Peter, trying to say, if you would stay awake and pray, you would stay from temptation, is the very one that fell into temptation, denying his Savior three times. Look, prayer is a powerful thing no matter what hour and day we are in because our word says that we should be a people of prayer and the house of God should be a house of prayer. But there are also specific hours like we see in this portion of scripture where God actually calls us to stay awake and pray or else. And I believe we are in an hour like that right now where the Lord is saying to the bride, the Lord is saying to the body of Christ, now is the hour to stay awake and pray to keep yourself from the devourer, the tempter that is coming. We are in that hour. And there is a real and specific call to the body of Christ to pray consistently, privately, and third, corporately. Three, prayer must be corporate. Revelation 5, 8, it says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of of incense which are the prayers of the saints did you hear that the offering that was brought before the lamb before our king was golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the believers the prayers of his bride it says after this and they sang a new song keep that in mind worship team See, the Bible Hub commentary, when you read on this, he describes it this way, that the incense held a conspicuous place in the ritual of the temple. The greatest care was to be taken in the composition of the incense, and the same compound was not to be used anywhere else but in the sanctuary. These precautions suggest its typical character that these true scents or aromas were the heart prayers of God's children. Of these three sweet ingredient perfumes or aromas, alluding to the composition of the temple incense, they were these three, namely petition, confession or repentance, and thanksgiving is the incense of prayer. And by the divine fire of love, it ascends unto God and the heart and all with it. And when the hearts of the saints or the believers unite in joint prayer, the pillar of sweet smoke goes up to the greater and the fuller. Hmm. And it says that he receives here with the songs of the happy and the triumphant. 
or the victorious. See, this poetic description is saying that this offering or gift that is brought before our king, the one that he is waiting on, the one that he is waiting to smell, to see, to take in, is the prayers of his bride unified together from his sanctuary blessing him, putting their faith in him. And it says that there is an aroma like this that is like no other. It is saying this, that corporate prayer, when his sons and daughters, when the bride of Christ comes together, begins to intercede, begins to pray, that that makes an incense or an aroma that nothing else can create. And that's what he desires to have brought before him in his throne room. Church, he is waiting for the corporate prayer of this body. Revelations 8, 1 through 5 finishes it to tell us what takes place. And it says, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And it was at that moment, church, when the aroma of the prayers, when the aroma of the intercession goes before him, verse five, then... The angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder, rumblings or sounds, flashes of lightning and an earthquake or a shaking that took place in the earth. Worship team, come up. It was the prayers of the body of Christ corporately coming together. That was the aroma and incense that shifted heaven, that released a movement or a shaking. If you've been coming for weeks and months, you've heard consistently prophesied behind closed doors and from this platform that a shaking was coming. A shaking to Fort Worth, a shaking to our nation, that a shaking is coming. Did you know that your prayers is what he's waiting on for the shaking of evil in our nation, evil in our government, evil in our education system? He's waiting on the prayers of the saints. Which brings us back to our original scripture, Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed... And when you had prayed, the place in which they, they corporately were gathered together, it was shaken. See, corporate prayer releases a one-of-a-kind sound. Corporate prayer is its own pleasing scent to the Lord. And corporate prayer is what brings forth a movement in the heavens and in the earth. Corporate prayer, he's waiting on. I wanted to tell you this morning that you may worship him. 
You may talk to him. You may serve him. You may praise him. You may give him all the glory for what he's done in your life. But none of that takes place of the place of prayer. The Lord told me at the beginning of this on Thursday morning, and I told you at the beginning of the message that I was going to share a warning, an intense warning that the Lord gave me. Thursday morning as I was running on the trails and praying and praying into this message. And he said, right as I was finishing, I hear it so, so clearly. He said, it will be catastrophic for my bride if she does not pick up this call to prayer. I immediately thought, Lord, is this you? Because catastrophic is a really intense word. I've never, I don't think personally ever used the word catastrophic before. As soon as I asked him that, I hear immediately, it will be catastrophic. Immediately I ran back and I opened my laptop to see what catastrophic meant. And it means this, causing sudden or very great harm or destruction. A momentous, tragic event ranging from extreme misfortune to utter overthrow or ruin utter failure, a violent and sudden change in the feature of the earth, a violent, usually destructive, natural event, the final event in the dramatic action, especially of a tragedy, of a tragedy. I want to tell you this morning that there will be a shaking one way or another and you depict which side you will be on. You will either be behind the shaking in the earth as you cry out and have a daily prayer life, or you will be the tragedy of a shaking or catastrophe that takes place. But either way, there's gonna be a shaking that takes place in our nation and the nations. And I believe that right now God is calling us this morning. He is calling us into a state of prayer. He is calling us to receive a call to prayer. This is not an emotional service, but I believe prophetically the Lord is speaking to us that if we do not pick it up this morning, it will be catastrophic. Come on, this morning I want, I want my prayers with you, bride, to be a part of that pleasing incense that goes before his throne. Anybody else? Stand to your feet this morning. Here's the good news. Is I believe that the Holy Spirit has been interceding for you in this moment. This is what Romans 8, 26 through 27 says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can anybody praise God for that? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we are, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit 
intercedes for the saints, you, the believers, according to the will of God, Holy Spirit has been interceding for you this morning to catch this call, to receive this call to prayer, to receive this awakening, to stay awake and pray this morning. But first, worship team, if you would just come up here real quick, anybody that's on the worship team, if you would just come up to the altar, the Hectors, the Wingates, Evelyn, if you would come up to the front, Pastor Abe, I believe that Jasmine, Pastor Jasmine, come in my hands because I pray, I laid hands on you in first service and I felt a release. I felt a release over you of the intercession. I believe that the worship team, there is something powerful that I haven't fully unpacked yet, but with worship and intercession that goes together. The Lord showed me that the worship team was going to a new level in worship where there would be songs of intercession that came out of our worship team. So would you just put your hands forward? And those of you that I called, would you just begin Wingates, lay hands. Pastor Abe, lay hands. Right now we just pray over the worship team, oh God. We pray for intercession to fall. The gift and the call of intercession to fall on the worship team this morning, oh God. We declare songs of intercession, songs, oh God, that are pleasing aroma to the Lord, to heaven. Oh God, I declare songs of intercession that bring a shaking to our nation, that bring a shaking to households, that bring a shaking to neighborhoods, that bring a shaking, oh God, to our government.
the busyness of life became a priority over a prayer life with you. Come on, would you just repent? Whatever places, even let the Lord search your heart right now. What has been the resistance against your prayer life? What has been the wrong ideas you've believed or the things you were told that you would pray wrong so you were worried about praying wrong? What what has that resistance been? going to tear down those walls, tear down those walls, tear down that resistance through repentance.
selfish with our time and thinking everything else deserves time other than you. God, forgive us for our pride and for our selfishness, oh God. Forgive us. Next it says, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So who do you need to forgive right now? The value of this house, forgiveness is not an option. Who is that person that you've kept and said, I can never forgive them? They keep doing it over and over. They won't stop. There's no hope for them. The pain is too deep. It's too great. The abuse of what they did to me. I feel like some of you that there are exes that you have not released through forgiveness and it's still eating you up in bitterness. If you hear their name, there is a cringe. Some of you, it's your parents, it's your mom or your dad and what they didn't or did do that was wrong as a child and you blame them for things happening in your life right now. Blame will go in an instant and you'll experience freedom through forgiveness. So would you just say, I forgive and say there name and just say it over and over it might be multiple people but I forgive and say their name over and over I forgive and then just begin to pray for them pray for salvation for them pray for deliverance for them pray for encounters with them pray for a prayer life for them pray for miracles for them pray for God's blessing to be upon them temptation oh Lord I declare that your people your sons and daughters as they just drew new to you drew near to you would you draw near to them and I declare oh God just lift your hands lift your hands and receive in the room the call to prayer oh God the call to prayer this message that you brought us this morning this awakening to the power of prayer this desire of your throne room for this aroma oh God I ask oh God would you release the call of intercession and prayer Release! Release! 
just want to hear awakening, awakening. You need to declare over our city and the nation. Awakening, say it. Awakening. 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 Awakening.
coming as that shaking was happening. I don't know what's shaking in you, but even in me, the Lord is shaking off some bad stewardship. Literally, this is what I felt the Lord remind me of, is my front yard has so many weeds. He's, he's just shaking off some of that in me. Like, I gotta go and clean some weeds up. 
and you might have some things that you need to go and partner with in faith and make room and make ready some place in your house for a shaking to happening. What is God asking of you to partner with so that he can release in your home? I want you to even ask him where he wants you to go. Where is that room in your house? Where is that space in your house that you can start praying for shaking, for an awakening? I believe that there is something practical that we can partner with in what he's doing. So just ask him real quick, Lord, where do you want to meet me on a daily basis or on a weekly basis to partner with the awakening intercession? He's gonna show you a room, he's gonna show you your car, maybe he'll show you your front yard, like maybe I need to go out there, pull some weeds and make it ready because God is gonna move in our generation. God is gonna move in our nation. I just pray over you real quick I pray right now for the joy of the Lord to come to your house for the joy of the Lord to come to your workplace for the joy of the Lord to come to your family I hear him say that my yoke is easy and my burden is light I say my yoke is easy and my burden is light there is a joy that is coming into your house there is a joy that's coming in, into your relationship the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is right before you. The joy of the Lord is before you. The joy of the Lord is with you. Oh, joy, come.
Someone say joy. Joy is my strength. Is my strength. I want you to, to grab somebody around you and just declare that over them. Say joy, joy. is your strength. Your strength. Thank you, Lord. 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 Man, I feel such a rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. All my burdens you carry. All my weariness you've taken. All my heaviness is gone. I feel joy. start naming the people that you've been praying for to come to the Lord. I want you to rejoice over them right now. We rejoice. Say their names out loud. God, I rejoice over the salvation of our friends. I rejoice right now over the salvation of sons and daughters that have been far away from you. I rejoice over the salvation of bosses, of co-workers. We rejoice that you are bringing young men, young women to you. We rejoice in the deliverance. We rejoice that you are causing all men to turn to you. We rejoice. keep playing you can keep playing if you want to stick around you can you can stick around um, but but make sure you heard it in the message but make sure you mark your calendar for the last Wednesday of the month and join us in prayer and intercession in stretching and growing and praying what is on God's heart so the last Wednesday will be in here this is listen we bring our student ministries in here as well it's just as important for teenagers as it is for adults to catch God's heart in intercession for our nation so I want to invite you as families bring your students bring your kids with you let's let's let heaven hear family let's family catch the hearts of heaven amen amen uh, if you need prayer for anything our worship team or our, our altar team is going to be up front and they'll be here to partner with you in prayer if you need anything at all um, four ways to give her up there but let me just pray our benediction over you can you just lift your hands this is our heart's cry this is what we long for father would you teach us your ways that we may know you and find your favor amen and bless you we'll see you soon we hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 